So the first Sunday of the month, we always have an all-age service, uh, an all-age talk. It's, uh, there is a distinction, though, between a, a, a children's talk and an all-age talk. And this is definitely always a, an all-age talk, so it's for the adults and the children. Did you come in, come in a bit closer, guys? Come around, come around here. That's it. Great. So who here likes stories? Adults as well, put your hands up if you like stories. Books, films... Uh, even songs, they all tell stories, don't we? We love stories. Stories help us to learn and understand the world that we live in. Uh, stories entertain us. They're easy to remember. And the best stories of all will always surprise us. Do you know that Jesus was the best storyteller ever? And he specialized in a particular kind of story. He specialized in parables. And parables are short stories that help us to see the world differently. And over the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at a different one of Jesus' parables each week. Now, the original Hebrew word for parable literally means riddle. And Jesus' parables are almost like riddles. You've really got to think about them in order to understand their meaning. So who likes riddles? Hands up if you like riddles. The adults don't. Oh, they do. Uh, so, I've got a few riddles for you. What has hands but can't clap? A clock. Zen, straight in there. Well done. Okay, if a red house is made out of red bricks and a yellow house is made out of yellow bricks, what is a green house made out of? Uh, what do you think, Isaac? Green bricks is a good answer. I like the logic, but it's not the right answer. Annabelle. Glass. A greenhouse is made out of glass. Absolutely right. Well done, Annabelle. What has to be broken before you can use it? Who said that? What did you say? An egg. An egg. Exactly right. Well done. Okay, I'm tall when I'm young and I'm short when I'm old. What am I? What do you reckon, David? A grown-up. A grown-up. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all shrinking. We, we do shrink a little bit. Any other ideas? Jenny? A what? A giraffe. Well, they keep growing, don't they? This, I'm tall when I'm young and I'm short when I'm old. I'll give you a clue. There's well, a candle. Well done. Excellent. Well done, Olivia. You thought that one through. Last one. What's easy to get into, but hard to get out of? Oh. Isabel. Trouble. That's right. <laughs> so... Jesus spoke in parables, which are kind of like riddles, so that people would really have to think about what he was trying to say. And that's how we learn. Uh, we learn best when we have to work things out for ourselves. Who enjoys doing homework? <laughs> or enjoyed doing homework? No one. Not, not a single hand? No? Okay, I thought there was a hand going up then, but then it went like that. Okay, okay. Who doesn't enjoy doing homework? Okay, who sometimes gets stuck on their homework? 
we all sometimes get stuck on our homework or our work. Do you know, when I was at school, if I got stuck on my homework, I'd always ask uh, one of my parents to give me the answer. And um, I just wanted them to tell me the answer, but they never would. They'd always show me how I could work it out for myself. And that's kind of what Jesus was doing when he told parables, because that's how we learn best. And today we're looking at two parables that have very similar meanings. We're we're talking about the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. So firstly, the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus told this story about this tiny little seed, the smallest of seeds, that got planted in a field and it grew into this huge plant. Now, mustard plants, they can grow about four meters tall, which I guess is probably about the height of the projector. Maybe. I'm not that good at judging distance, but maybe about that. So it's a really big plant. And Jesus said it grew big enough for all the birds to come and perch in its branches. So we can see that something tiny and insignificant and unimpressive can grow into something big and wonderful and glorious. So why did Jesus tell this parable? Well, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And if we think about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' kingdom, and we think about the way that Jesus' kingdom came, well, it did look tiny and weak and insignificant, didn't it? And during Advent and Christmas, we were thinking about the first part of this story, weren't we? So thinking about the Christmas story for a minute. We know that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. So I guess that his parents must have been really uh, important and rich people. Am I right? Were they rich and important, Mary and Joseph? What you can shout out? Were they rich and important? No. Yes. Well, they. Do you know what they were? They were very important. But they certainly weren't rich. They were important because they were Jesus' parents. But before that, they weren't the sort of people that anyone would even notice. But okay, we know that Jesus uh, is really important. So I guess that he must have been born in a palace. Was he born in a palace? No. Where was he born? In a stable. And what do they use for, for a bed? A manger, which is like a feeding trough for animals, isn't it? Okay, well, I guess then the first people to visit Jesus, they must have been tremendously important, were they? Who were they? Shepherds, a group of smelly shepherds who lived out in the hills with their sheep. Uh, No one really thought very much of shepherds. They certainly weren't considered to be important. So I think what we're saying is that when Jesus came into the world, he didn't look big or impressive or important. A little bit like that tiny mustard seed. And even as an adult, Jesus didn't look very impressive. He came from a town that no one thought very much of at all, Nazareth in Galilee. Up until the age of 30, nobody knew who he was. He just did a regular job as a carpenter. Uh, When he began his ministry, he walked from place to place telling stories about seeds and crops and farmers and bread and trees and other very ordinary everyday things. He was poor uh, and he surrounded himself himself with a, a ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and other people that no one really wanted to hang out with. And in the end, he was nailed to a cross by the Romans. And we find ourselves asking, 
Is this really how God would build his kingdom? I mean, shouldn't it look uh, big, important, and glorious? And the answer is no, because God's kingdom starts off like a tiny mustard seed, and it grows and it grows and it grows so large that the birds can come and nest or uh, perch on its branches. And uh, when Jesus uh, talked about the birds, and we get a little clue from the, um, from the passage from Ezekiel, uh, Jesus was actually talking about the Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish. Jesus was Jewish, his disciples were Jewish, uh, the chief priests and teachers of the law were Jewish, all the people who first rejected Jesus were Jewish. Um, but Jesus is talking here about those who weren't Jewish, the Gentiles. Jesus is actually saying that his kingdom will become so big that people from all over the world, from all nations, will be included in it. And he was right. Uh, the religion of the Roman world was paganism. And that, that kind of paganism today uh, has almost completely ceased to exist. Of course, the Jewish people are, are still uh, a people group within the world. Uh, but there's only 14.6 million of them. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But there's over 2 billion Christians around the world. So this tiny seed really has grown into this huge uh, plant, just as Jesus said that it would. Next, we have the parable of the yeast. Who knows what yeast is? What does yeast do? Go on, Isaac, what does yeast do? Yeast is basically something that makes bread and flour fold into what Yes, exactly. Yeast is what causes the bread to rise and, and, and grow and fill out. Exactly right. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that the woman worked into a large amount of flour or dough. Now, I have here, uh, courtesy of Steve, it's very helpful having a baker in the church. I have here two lumps of dough. Okay, let me just have here two lumps of dough, identical in size and weight. Now, can you tell which one has the yeast in it? Yeah, both. Both? Okay. You think I, I'm trying to trick you? <laughs> you think this? everyone's going for this one. Well, let's do Okay. Tissa's going for this one, and Isabel's going. Okay, we've got a different... You think both? Okay, who thinks the yeast is in this one? Adults as well, you can have a vote. You've got to put your hand up to one. So no one thinks the yeast is... Who thinks the yeast is in this one? Okay, for some reason, everyone's going for this one. Who thinks the yeast is in both? Me. Okay, well, I can tell you that the yeast is only in one of them, and the yeast is in this one. So most of you actually got it wrong. I think that was peer pressure. Everyone just went for this, and you got it right. Well done, David. But you can't really tell by looking at it, can you? You'd have to look very closely. I'm right up close, and I had to have it pointed out to me by Steve which one had the yeast in, and it's that one. But you can't really tell by looking at it. But I have two loaves of bread here that have been made out of exactly that same amount of dough, and one was made with yeast, and one was made without. So exactly this size dough, okay, one with yeast, one without. Now, I reckon you can tell which one has the yeast in it. Who thinks that this one has the yeast in it? 
no one, maybe one. There's normally one adult that gets it wrong at least. But Okay, who thinks that this one has the yeast in it? Okay, you are all right. It's much more obvious, isn't it? You can tell uh, instantly which one has the yeast in it. So why did Jesus tell this parable? Well, think about the yeast. You can't even see that it's in the dough, but it makes a huge difference to the bread, doesn't it? And it's like that with Jesus' kingdom. Sometimes we might look around the country, we might look around the world, uh, and, and say, well, what difference does Christianity really make? Is God's kingdom really here? Is Jesus' kingdom really established? And the answer is yes. And often people don't see it, and it's not always obvious. But Jesus' kingdom makes a huge difference to the world that we live in. Can you imagine if we didn't have any hospitals? That would be pretty bad, wouldn't it, if we had no hospitals? Do you know that the first hospitals were all Christian hospitals? It was Christians who said, well, there are people who are sick and they're unwell and they're injured and we've got to look after those people. It was Christians who did that. All the first hospitals were Christian. Did you know that all of the first universities were Christian? Actually, they began with monasteries with the monks. Uh, But uh, the first universities, these great seats of learning where people go to expand their minds and learn about the world we live in and learn about God, uh, they were all Christian. The first place where you could get medicines for free was run by Christians. The first institute for the blind, the place where they take care of the blind, was run by Christians. It was Christians who decided to make it possible for everyone to go to school. Now, that might not be so popular with some of you, but the thing is, uh, in the olden days, if you didn't have enough money, you couldn't go to school. And children as young as seven or eight could be out working in factories, uh, in coal mines, climbing up chimneys because they're tall, uh, small enough to get up there and clean them out, doing these horrible jobs. And it was Christians who said, this is awful. We can't have children going out to work like this. They should be in school learning. And so it was Sunday schools that first made uh, school available to everyone. And then that developed and we had education for everyone, rich and poor, which is good, isn't it? It was Christians who fought against the evil practice of slavery, uh, the buying and selling of human beings. Uh, Absolutely horrendous that that happened and still happens, but it was Britain who abolished slavery first, and they did it because the government was under pressure from Christians. It was Christians who decided that prisoners shouldn't be treated like animals. Uh, and they worked very hard to stop that. Do you know, in the olden days, prisons were dirty and damp and full of disease and the food was awful. And do you know that men, women and children used to be all, all in together? They weren't separated, just all in one big space. You imagine hardened criminals, men, living with women and children in prison conditions. It doesn't bear thinking about. And it was Christians that brought about the reforms to change that. And there are so many examples I could give of things that have been changed by Christian men and women who have wanted to see God's kingdom more fully established in the world that we live in. And today, if you go anywhere in the world where people need love and compassion and support and help, 
you will find Christians working there. But that's just the beginning. That's just the tip of the iceberg because Jesus will come again. And when he does, he will make all things new. He will make the world perfect, just as God always intended it to be. Jesus' kingdom began with the birth of a helpless baby. Jesus was poor and humble his whole life. And in the end, he was crucified. He was nailed to a cross. But he rose to new life, and his kingdom will never end. He will reign in glory forever. That's massive, isn't it? That's huge. Mustard seeds are tiny, but they grow into these great big plants. And Jesus' kingdom started small, but it grew and grew and grew, and it's still growing. And then there's yeast. You can't see it, but it makes a huge difference. And people are often unaware of Jesus' kingdom. They can't see it, but it makes a huge difference to the world we live in. And do you know what? All of this gives me so much hope for us and for this little church, because we've started small, but we're growing. A lot of people might not know that we're here. A lot of people might not care that we're here. But we will have an impact, because that is how God's kingdom always works. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, we know that the kings of this world, they lord it over us. Uh, We know that uh, human beings seem to value power and might, and uh, human beings fight for significance and recognition and status. And we thank you that that's not how you are. We thank you that you uh, are humble and that your kingdom is is in many ways quite subtle. For those who aren't interested, they can completely ignore it. They can deny that it's here. They can avoid it. But Father, we know that you're at work in this world in the most incredible way. And even now, today, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg of what you will do with your creation. And we thank you for this. And we pray uh, that we'll feel a great sense of hope and excitement Uh, thinking about this as we go into the new year. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.